Today on Focal Point, Pastor Mike Fabares shares timeless wisdom from Proverbs. Not a big fan of retirement because the Bible says we're going to work until we return to the dust of the ground from which we were taken. God is not intended for you just to go and check out, see? Now I understand when we get old, you can't work like you did earlier. Ecclesiastes makes it clear. We bear the yoke when we're young and it's harder in our youth and you can't do quite as much when you get to a certain age, but, but you need to recognize God never called you to passivity. Once you reach a certain age, you'll hear people talking about and planning for retirement. And the typical idea is to live the remainder of your days relaxing, traveling, and definitely not working, right? But today on Focal Point, Pastor Mike Fabares reminds Christians that we have a lifelong calling to work for the Kingdom of God. I'm your host, Dave Drewy. We're starting in Proverbs 6.6. And now here's Pastor Mike with the conclusion of another practical biblical message called Strategic Rest and a Godly Work Ethic. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 says, Go to the ant, O sluggard. Now it's not much for diplomacy here. Consider her ways and, and be wise. Without any chief or officer or ruler, she, that is the ant, prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in harvest. They're working, they're industrious, they're busy. I mean, that's what the ant's all about. Number one on your outline, the anchor of a biblical work ethic, it is number one, that we work hard. We work hard. We're busy, we're industrious, we're self-starters. So you're never going to do what God wants you to do, what he's so apt to reward people for doing, if you are in any way half-hearted, lethargic, or lazy in your work. There's no place for it. Hard work, it is the anchor and the central tenet of a Christian work ethic. But you can say, well, a lot of people do that. There's a lot of people committed to working hard. Well, number two on your outline, this is what makes our work ethic distinctively theistic. The reason it is a Christian work ethic is found in passages like chapter 16, verse number three. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Number two, a Christian work ethic is about working for God, no matter who you work for. Even if you think you work for yourself and you're self-employed, whether your boss is a jerk, it doesn't matter. The Bible says when Christians work, their mind should be focused on the Lord. That is not to say I don't care what they say, but when it comes to my purpose for work, it is to serve God. Commit your work to the Lord. Number three, because we commit our work to the Lord, here's what happens. We do our work differently. Write it down, then we'll look at a couple of passages. Number three, we need to work excellently. Why? Because we're not working for men, we're not working for myself, we're working for God. And because of that, it changes the way in which I work. Turn to Proverbs 8. It says in verse 22, The Lord possessed me, that is wisdom, at the beginning of, good words to underline, His work. God is a worker. That's how He was known. I know He could have spoken the words and the whole universe could have been created in in, in six milliseconds. But instead, He takes six days and then takes rest as though He needs to rest. Right? You want to be godly and work for God? God gets glory when we work like God. How does God work? With excellence. 
That's what it needs to be. We work hard. We work for God. And because we work for God, we work with excellence. Number four, I just want to say this because so often as you turn to chapter 21, there is a, a, a bit of entitlement that may really start to creep into our thinking. Hey, listen, if I work hard for God and I work with excellence, then, you know, that's kind of the formula for success. I just want to say this. It is not a formulaic guarantee for success. 21, 30, and 31. You're in chapter 21. 21, verse 30. No wisdom and no understanding and no counsel can avail against the Lord. Do you see that there? Verse 31. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, and you may do a great job getting that horse ready for battle. But... And this is an important conjunction. But the victory belongs to the Lord. Please note this, number four, we need to work humbly. Because you and I are not sitting around trying to say, hey, we just plug in the formula and hey, our business will do great. You don't know that. You don't, you don't know that if you really bring a Christian work ethic to your company that you're not going to get laid off. You might. God is sovereign. God does things beyond our comprehension. And so I'm not an arrogant worker. I want to be a humble worker. I would much rather in my thinking and in my mind and the company I work for to be with a group of people that know that our success is reliant on God. Do you fully rely on God for your work? Prayer, is that intertwined in your thinking? It's not just about hard work. It's about humble work. Number five, here in chapter 24, there is something about my attitude that certainly applies at work that is all throughout the book of Proverbs that cannot be relinquished. And in my mind, if there's one thing that is missing in our modern society, it is certainly this. Particularly in an American mindset in the American workforce, I put it this way, number five, work respectfully. We not only work humbly, we work respectfully. And in our places of business, we have a, a respect for those in positions of authority. Why? Because we know God is sovereign. Verse 21, you're in chapter 24. Look at this. My son, fear the Lord. Well, we know that part. The whole book of Proverbs is predicated on that. we got to fear the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. Note the next three words. Underline them. And the king. Well, I don't really like the king right now. I, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And let's bring it into your workplace. The authority over you, the human delegated authority over you in your work, you are to fear them. That's a grave word of respect, Right? And do not join with those who do otherwise. Careful who you hang out with at work. Seriously. Don't join in with those who do otherwise. For the disaster, verse 22, for disaster will arise suddenly from them. You never know. And who knows the ruin that will come from them both? You don't know. God put them in a position of authority and you are to respect them. Work respectfully. Number six. There are some, I hope, that you've had a little sting of conviction to this point, you know? But I know there are some here, and it's unfortunate, but you just love this message because it's pro-work, right? <laughs> and you got this weird, you know, twisted, slavish, and, you know, you just can't, you want, you can't, work is everything to you. A Christian work ethic is not about you being an idolater of the office. Let me put it that way. God has called you not only to work in the marketplace, but to expend the same kind of diligence and effort and work at home. Number six. A Christian work ethic is about you working at home. And so let me say that, not just to appease your wife that never sees you, but to tell you if it's all about being articulate and careful and thoughtful and strategic at the office, but at home it's, hey, what's for dinner and I'm putting my feet up and that's all your life consists of at home? 
then you're not exercising a Christian work ethic. A Christian work ethic is about coming to your home with the same kind of concern, the same kind of strategy, the same kind of ethic, and saying, I, I want to make home all that it should be. Notice the poetic and, and metaphorical language of chapter 24, verse 3 and 4. Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4. By wisdom... Put your eyeballs on this one. By wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding, it is, strong words, established. Want a strong home life? That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the strength of your walls. We're talking about the strength of your home, your family. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. This is not saying you want, you know, treasure trunks full of rubies in the family room. We're talking about that, that there's, there's precious things that happen in the family room that there's great things that happen there in the kitchen, that this is a house that is strong and godly and good. That's what we're talking about. And if all your work is expended on the marketplace and you don't bring that same work ethic into your home, then you've missed a lot of what I'm trying to say here this morning. We are to be tireless, self-starting, hard workers in every area of our lives. And since God has called you not only to work, I know that's primary waking hours kind of stuff, but he's also called you maybe to be a father or a mother, right? You've got to get in the home then and say, I'm going to give myself to this because God cares about my family. Guys, we've got to be working at home. And gals, if you have the privilege of being called to, 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 to work in your home as a stay-at-home mom, have at it and, and recognize the value and the virtue that God calls that particular and special employment to but recognize even if you work outside the home or guys even if we work you know 50 hours at the office all week when we come home we got work to do and i know you're frustrated you know can't she turn on the cordless drill you know i you, you, uh, you think all those things am i revealing too much um guys all i'm saying is we got to get to work right some of us worry a lot about the ti's in our office suite Right? But, our, but our garage is a mess, and our house is out of whack, and the plumbing hadn't been fixed for months. Verse 30, I passed by the field of a sluggard, and the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns, and the ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. <laughs> then I saw and I considered it. I looked and I received instruction. Back to the old refrain of chapter 6. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a robber and want like an armed man. I think the context here is different than chapter 6. The refrain is the same, don't be lazy. Context, though, is your house. And that is talking about your literal garden and the walls. And what are you doing? I mean, that needs to be conviction for us. We've got to be workers at home. Now you're saying, you know, you talked. the title was totally deceiving, Mike. It talked about rest and work, and all we've talked about is work. And seven doesn't look like any relief because I can see the word work there on seven. So this isn't fair. Well, you need to understand this. Clearly, in the Jewish context, there was not only a recommendation but a religious requirement that every Jewish person not only worked but they rested. But it was important that we realize the order. That was the order. We worked, number seven, and then we rested. And then, by the way, I know I gave you only a short line, and all you see on the screen is work, then rest, but put a comma after that, and just to make it clear, I want you to put after that, and work again, because <laughs> that's how it works. That's how God designed it, 
and I know Europe's all mixed up on this, but they're mixed up on a lot of things. <laughs> they think that we work so that we can rest, right? They make fun of us for this. Well, I'm not going to apologize for it. They, they work so that they can rest, and a lot of Americans have bought into that mindset. But the biblical work ethic is turned around. No, we rest so that we can work. That's biblical, see? We rest so that we can work. And if you don't believe it, I know I keep you in Proverbs today, but if you go and you study how the description of the Sabbath, forget the religious requirement. You look at the practical intent and what it does. It is so you and your servants and your maidservants and the workers in the field and your oxen and your cattle can rest so that, right, you could turn around the next day and get back to work. We rest so that we can work because God created us to work. I know I quickly said it, but the first person we see working in the Bible is God. That's the, that's the worker. He then commissions Adam to work, and that's before the fall. I know it gets hard after the fall, but before the fall, he still had to labor and work. And when you get to the New Jerusalem, you may be thinking there's just a hammock there. And I know it's described as rest, but the part that makes it wonderful is that the nettles and the thorns and all the corruption of sin is taken out of the mix. And then he says, here it comes, Revelation 21 and 22, his servants will serve him. We were going to work. You were made to work. I'm not a big fan of folks that think it's about working so that we can rest. And by the way, the microcosm of your work week, people say, I just want to get to the weekend, man, so I can have fun and relax. You need to recognize the weekend is about getting you ready for the week. And in a microcosm, I say it's a microcosm, the macrocosm that reflects that is that people think I'm going to work until I retire and then I'm not going to work. Not a big fan of retirement. And here's why. Because the Bible says we're going to work until we return to the dust of the ground from which we were taken. God is not intended for you just to go and check out, see? Now, I understand when we get old, you can't work like you did earlier. Ecclesiastes makes it clear. And we bear the yoke when we're young, and it's harder in our youth, and you can't do quite as much when you get to a certain age. But, but you need to recognize God never called you to passivity. And so when you rent the condo, I like to say this, you know, when you rent that condo in Maui and you get that break time, I'm just thinking of us workers in the middle of our work life and we put our feet up, we look out at the ocean and we're sipping on our, you know, uh, 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 lemonade, I hope, uh, is what it is. And, and, and you're there looking out on the ocean and you look over to your wife and you say this, here's what's often said, I could get used to this. Don't say that, right? Because you're not supposed to get used to that. That is supposed to get you ready and recharge. Here's some good words. R respite, recuperation, right? Refuel, right? Not, not retire. I mean, that's not our goal. And, and as a matter of fact, if I know our work and our, I'm talking about pushing a rock up a hill in our culture. I mean, I'm speaking against an entire culture. I'm surprised you haven't thrown anything at me yet when I'm talking about not retiring. But here's the deal. If you have in our culture reached a place of retirement, great, that's an opportunity for you now to work with more freedom toward the things that you want to work at. Because there's a lot of compulsion in our daily jobs. Now it's time for you to work in a way that you can choose to work the way you work. But work, because God has made us to work. Just one passage on this. How about chapter 14? Our rest is so that we, after our work, can recharge, be refreshed for more work, and you've got to take it. You've got to do it. 
Look at verse 30, 1430. Just a great first phrase here. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh. It's just a great simple statement. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh. You need times of tranquility. Why? So that you can be recharged in your flesh. Why? So that you can get back to doing what God has called you to do. We've got to work. Remember that Israel was required religiously to rest every seventh day. And that rest was for the good of, 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 of doing work, of getting back to work. But they also had times, there was at least four major festivals a year, holy days, holidays. And those holidays, if you read carefully in the Old Testament, many of them were associated with week-long breaks from work. So God is into breaks. I'm into that. Take your vacations. Take some time off. Take that weekly time where you say, no, I'm not fixing the, you know, I'm not weeding the nettles out and I'm not fixing the stone wall today. It's a day of tranquility. That's great. Do that. Take breaks. Not being slavishly, you know, idolizing work. I'm not saying that. But recognize that's all for a purpose. Rest is not an end in itself. It's a means to an end on this earth. And we've got to see it that way. So if you have retired, pull a Brett Favre and, and get, get back to work, if you know what that means. Now, listen, there's not a person in Bible school or seminary that would look at this outline and say, this is a good idea. Seven points? This is dumb, right? I mean, they'd say, hey, Mike, you don't do that. No one can remember seven points. I mean, that's why we keep them short, you know? But I, I think seven's a good number. God thinks that seven is a good number. He's created seven days for us to live our lives in the rhythm of seven. And I know you might forget this if I just threw out the seven, but I've got an assignment for you, and it's a simple assignment. It'll take you less than 30 seconds a day. But I arranged these carefully as I laid them out and tried to congeal together a Christian work ethic in the book of Proverbs to match one per day. And like my Google calendar, I want you to start on Monday. And on Monday morning, maybe you put it on a three-by-five card and you put it in the dashboard of your car, but I want you, as you drive off to whatever you're called to do, or maybe you put it on the mirror in your bathroom, you start praying, God, today, for your glory, I want to work hard. I want to be a hard worker. And on Monday, you need that prayer, don't you? Monday. Tuesday, work for God. Don't forget, Tuesday morning, I'm up and I'm praying, God, today, I want all my work to be clearly focused on you. Wednesday, when you start to fudge on excellence in the middle of the week, you say, God, I'm working excellently for you and I want to make sure I keep that standard high. Thursday, time for a little humility, right? Thursday, I want to be humble. I want to make sure I'm a humble worker. And then Friday, how about we pay some respect to our boss? You do something for your boss on Friday. And if you have a standard work week like a lot of people, maybe Saturday, this makes a lot of sense. It's time to work at home. What can I do in my home with my family, even on the house itself? And then Sunday, perhaps like Chick-fil-A, right? You can say, this is our day of rest. And I'm going to build that pattern into my life. And we're not working today. We're not cleaning the garage today. We're not doing it. We're, we're relaxing. We need, here's the word, tranquility. Monday through Sunday, just at least for one week, praying for, you know, five babies and seven days a week to help us hone in on a Christian work ethic. You do that, we can take this sermon, I hope, into some real practical areas of our lives. Would you uh, stand with me, please, as we...
let you go, maybe for what I hope is a day of, you know, an afternoon of tranquility. So tomorrow morning we can be up and working hard for God. Let's pray together, please. God, we thank you for this time to remember from your word the things that you have written through the pen. Many of uh, these Proverbs from the pen of Solomon, recognizing the wisdom in bringing to our work our very best, not bifurcating secular and sacred, but seeing all of our work, if it's honest work, as sacred work for you, doing it excellently with a high standard because we're doing it for you and not for people. And God, recognizing with humility that even our best work will never produce success, all success, all victory belongs to you. So give us a humility in our work. God, give us great respect for those you place in positions of authority over us. Let us not run with those that are mockers and scoffers. Let us respect those in positions of authority. And God, let us not be enslaved to our office work, neglecting our homes. Let us be workers at home in every sense of the word, both practically, spiritually, relationally. And then God do give us those times of tranquility and peace. We need to cease from our work. We need to give rest to ourselves and to our family and our kids. For the business owners here, maybe like Chick-fil-A, we can say, hey, we're, we're, we're building in strategic periods of rest so that we can be better workers. Praise God for them, for that thinking. Thanks that you're bringing one to the town center. Um, look forward to eating their chicken there. Um, <laughs> But God, we thank you for godly people in positions of leadership who have made decisions that have trickled down. God, we need a whole new generation of people that exercise a Christian work ethic. Make it us, God, please. Let us bring glory to you by the way that we labor in our jobs, whatever they might be. Thanks for this reminder from your word. Give us a great week now, a productive week, a week of excellent hard work in Jesus' name. Amen. You're listening to Focal Point with Pastor Mike Fabares and a message called Strategic Rest and a Godly Work Ethic. Now, if you missed any of the previous messages in this series, you can easily go back and listen online at focalpointradio.org. We hope you've benefited from Pastor Mike's Bible teaching on Focal Point, and we hope you'll agree that clear, accurate biblical teaching is exactly what's needed in today's mixed-up society. But to keep Focal Point going strong, we need your help. If you value the ministry work of Focal Point, please reach out today and make a special end-of-year donation. When you give, we'll send you The Ultimate Infographic Guide to the Bible. This top-rated book will equip you to understand the significance of every part of the Bible and witness how each incredible truth God makes known to His people today. There are fascinating charts, graphics, and timelines to enrich your reading experience by highlighting the key events, themes, and applications found in each book of the Bible. And you'll have ready access to background on the Bible's reliability, translation process, and preservation, eliminating how God's strength, power, and love are revealed throughout the Bible's overarching story. To request your copy of the Ultimate Infographic Guide to the Bible, call 888 320-5885 or contact us online at focalpointradio.org or if you prefer you can send your donation and request by mail our address is focal point post office box 2850 laguna hills california 92654 
And if you're not quite ready to give, we'd still like to hear from you. This month, listeners who contact Focal Point for the first time can receive From Creation to Bethlehem. This easy-to-read booklet shows the surprising connection between Christmas and the creation of the world. Look for this month's free gift at focalpointradio.org. Well, at Christmas time, we often hear mention of an ancient political figure named Herod. But who was Herod? Is he the same Herod who later took part in the arrest and crucifixion of Jesus? Well, I'm Dave Drewy, inviting you to join us tomorrow to hear the answers to these questions and more during our weekly Q&A with Pastor Mike Fabares. That's coming up on the next edition of Ask Pastor Mike, Friday on Focal Point. Pastor Mike here. You know, we live in a culture where every point of view demands affirmation. It'd be easy to tell people what they want to hear. But we must teach the Bible accurately, unapologetically, and without compromising and without editing it. God's Word is truth. If you want to send me a question, I encourage you to get in touch with us at focalpointradio.org. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Focal Point Ministries.